Hello, this is Peter Davison, and you're listening to Discussing Who. They've taken Amy. And our baby. The Doctor's getting some people together. This is the Battle of Demons Run. The Doctor's darkest hour. He'll rise higher than ever before and then fall so much further. On this day, in this place, the Doctor will fall. It's starting. I need to get off this station now. Bring me the child. This is the day he finds out who I am. Child? What a weapon! She will be. How goes the day? The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and I think it is appropriate for this episode for me to say, if you have not seen A Good Man Goes to War, put us on pause, go out, watch it, come back, because guess what? There's going to be... Spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and I am back for introductions. I'm Kyle Jones again, and I want to say to Lee Shackelford, how goes the day? Well, sir, well indeed, and someday I shall meet you on the field of combat and have the pleasure of destroying you for the glory of the Santaran Empire. As long as it's for the glory of the Santaran Empire, yes. I'm good. Cool. Clarence Brown, how goes the day? Oh, I'm pretty good, man. No, <laughs> can't complain. Can't complain. It goes. I've been having fun with you guys, and I don't think either one of you picked up on something that I've been doing. How goes the day? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, so, so, so you've known I've been doing that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I even knew why. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, I am so, so, I was going to say high off of this, but I'm so happy doing this. This is one of my all-time favorite Doctor Who episodes of all freaking time. So I am going to have so much fun. I mean, like literally ever since we started doing this podcast, I've been mapping this out in my mind. I was actually nervous about 7.15 thinking, oh, I hope it's great. I hope it's great. I hope it's great. (laughs) This is it. This is it. This is it. I want to know how you guys have been doing. This isn't all about me. So how are you guys? And Clarence, what's been going on with you? How are you? I mean, mostly good, just like everyone else getting ready or in the midst of the holidays at this point. So uh, I don't know. The holidays aren't always the most fun times for me, but (laughs) we're here now. So, you know, we got some good news on the COVID front. So I guess I can't complain too much, sir. Awesome. Awesome. Mr. Lee Shackelford, how about you? I would say the same. I I can be a real, uh, real Grinch or Scrooge this time of year, but uh, it's... um, it's 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 quiet. It's a it's a nice time around here. So it's uh it's okay. It's okay. And uh, we we did get moved into our new house. So I am talking to you from my my new office at home. Nice. And, uh, and uh, we are high 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 above the water level, and that's uh, worth the price that. of admission. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, your so. audio just from listening to it, you know, live as we're recording, sounds fantastic. So kudos Great. to you. Excellent. Congratulations to you. Thank you. All right. Well, speaking of uh, congratulations, I would like to say. 
Congratulations to Nicole for a great idea. Nicole, of course, of Terminus, the Doctor Who podcast. She's going back and looking and watching and recording about some of her favorite Doctor Who themed Christmas episodes. So kudos to Nicole. She is going to be back with us soon. I was actually chatting with her yesterday as, as of this recording. So kudos to Nicole for her Christmas idea, since this is right around the 15th. Well, it is the 15th of December as we're recording this. So do either of you have any other news items that you want to bring up before we get into this review? I felt like I did, but it's been so long now that I've forgotten what it was. All righty. Just because I love doing this, I want to say once again, and I may even cut this out, but I just want to say it again. If you have not seen A Good Man Goes to War, put us on pause, go out, watch Clarence roll his eyes because I'm doing this again, and then come back because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 All righty, we are ready to review A Good Man Goes to War. This was the seventh episode of the 2011 series of Doctor Who, and this served as a mid-series finale for this series. It first aired on the 4th of June, 2011, starring Alex Kingston as River Song, Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amy Pond, and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. It features the first appearances of Neve McIntosh as Madame Vastra, Katrin Stewart as Jenny Flint, and Dan Starkey as Strax. Summary view. Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. What did you think? Loved, loved, loved. Yeah. This <laughs> is uh, a great episode all around. A lot of fun. A lot of answers, but more mystery in some way. But overall, I just really enjoyed this episode. So much fun to see the doctor bring in all his friends for the adventure. Friends from the, a different timeline, I guess, or from the future at some point. <laughs> yeah, wibbly wobbly. Uh, but it was awesome to see him bringing these friends for this fun adventure. And um, yeah, just implications on the overall story of Amy and Rory, I thought it was it was really, really great story. What about you guys? Oh, same, same, same. Um, it is it's uh, almost legendary in uh, in its place in the series because it is just so much good cracking fun and so much action. Just it never slows down. And uh, yeah, as Clarence said, big revelations in this episode and we're tying together a number of threads. We, we even get to Churchill and the, uh, the Danny boy squadron again. And yeah. uh, uh, we see Jadoon and Cybermen and, <laughs> yep. and the incomparable badassness of the last centurion and just on and on. Um, <laughs> Dorian Malamar. Um, but uh, yeah, and Nev McIntosh playing, I think, her third Silurian. But this is the one she'll play um, from from uh, henceforth. Yeah, it's yeah. What what an episode! And I had forgotten until watching it again. I have the BBC copy, so it ended with "See you in April." Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ouch. I didn't remember that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, no, you can't do that. Um, anyway, but but yeah, so. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, a mind blowingly uh, exciting and interesting episode. So yeah. what about you, Kyle? Did you, did you force yourself to watch this one or kind of drag yourself <laughs> through it? Or? Yeah. Oh, I know. It was just, I mean, it was one of the greatest chores of all my life. <laughs> I love this episode. I have seen this episode so many times. I have listened to this episode so many times. I have watched this episode so many times. I have recited this freaking episode so many times. I love this episode. It is awesome. It is everything that I would want a Doctor Who episode to be. It is, I'll go ahead and say it, 5,000 stars out of five for me. It is just hands down. I love this episode from the opening scene to the last moment as it went off. I freaking love this episode. So speaking of the opening scene, I have a message and a question, a message from the doctor and a question from me. Where? Is my wife. The last centurion, you guys mentioned this a minute ago. You hear this voice and it's Amy and she's talking about this, this person, which we now know the last centurion. And she gets to the point where she says he looks very young, but he's lived for hundreds of years. This man is your father. What did you think when you heard that line? Thoughts? Well, they do do the thing again where they pull the wool over our eyes a little bit and try to give us misdirection because, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. I'm like, is she talking about the doctor and not Rory? But, you know, it's just to throw us a little bit of misdirection before giving us a uh, definitive answer seconds later. Where we see Rory pop in and say, where's my wife? You know, so I, I love when they do that wordplay there to kind of throw us off and it fits. So that what makes it fun. Because we had had that uh, wham wham played on us before. And I think much more dramatically. I remember that I didn't fall for it this time. I knew that she's talking about Rory. <laughs> uh, and, and it's good because we, we just do it a little bit and then cut to the shot of Rory. So um, the, the, the show does not overdo it, overplay its hand. So it's still a lot of fun. Mm. And that was so, so, so well played. When you hear the, uh, or you see him and he asks, where is my wife? And then (laughs) the stupid, stupid, stupid Cybermen say, well, what was the message? And then you see these ships blow up and he says, would you like for me to repeat the question? So good. (laughs) So good. And the coolness of Rory, of course, is that he knows what's going to happen. And so he doesn't ever take his eyes off them. All of this hell is breaking loose behind him. And he doesn't. (laughs) He doesn't look at explosions, man. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't doesn't turn to look at it. He doesn't need to. Should I repeat the question? (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely a Rory doctor moment, it felt like, because he came in there full of confidence and charged and, you know. Uh, and you mentioned badass a while ago. I have written here, the level of badassery is off the charts. In this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we often make comments about loving going back and reviewing episodes in a review mode because it puts a new light on the episode and a new point of view or a new 
frame of mind going into watching. And there's something that I think I'll learn about this episode that I have never picked up. And it has to do with Rory, but it'll come later. But it, it is, again, one of the beauty that we have or the privileges or the the honor that we have of going back and seeing these in such a different light. So I'll get to that in a little bit. So we see the opening credits, of course, immediately after that. And I just want to note real quick that you can hear the TARDIS sounds along with the music. And that's something that we don't usually hear. So post the opening credits, we see two men leaving the elevator and they're talking about earlier Doctor Adventures, and we see this young woman who whose name is Lorna Bucket. And just for the heck of it, I want to say, or is it Bouquet? And <laughs> we next see the headless monk. So, Lee, I'm going to point this to you first. Initial thoughts on the headless monks? Well, it would be easy to overlook that this is yet another uh, uh, strand running through the whole season that is getting tied off here. Is that? Um, Back on the Byzantium, we met these uh, soldiers who are representatives of the church. And now we're a little further in the future, and we can see that um, this has become even more extreme. Um, that now that uh, the church is a giant army and a pretty bloodthirsty one, too. And it's been subverted by, by people who, who don't have, you know, apparently any uh, good intention for the rest of the sentient beings of the galaxy. So it's just a bad thing all around. But we meet some of the representatives who who seem to be uh, rather nice people. So, you know, as so often happens, you you, you can't judge um, individuals by their group action or the other way around. So, Yeah, I just feel like the headless mocks present the ultimate, I don't know if conundrum is the word I want to use, but you, it's forbidden to remove their hood which who knows how their hood is staying up anyway. But it's, forbid- <laughs> it's forbidden to, re- to remove their hood. So instantly that makes you think, oh, even before we see the doctor, you know, okay, that's not a doctor's going to get in here. He's going to be one of the monks, you know, <laughs> pretty easy to read right there. But yeah, I just, I just find that dynamic about, of how they're so secretive and you can't, you know, it's forbidden to remove their hood. That's just like an opening, you know, of a, I guess you could see that in other things. It's a super secret society. You don't know who the people are. And, you know, it just kind of invites trouble. So and this is something that's never crossed my mind until this exact very moment of us talking about it. But are they mystical beings? And the only reason I ask this question is they don't have a head. So they don't have a head. Yeah. Yeah. It presents some problems. Yeah. More so than not being able to talk, they don't right. have a head. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain that either. Eh? I, you know, I do find it interesting. You know, they they're talking about them in this scene, and they say, or the comment is made: the headless monks believe faith lies in the heart and doubt lies in the head, and that's hence why they remove the head, extreme to the nth degree. Yes. And, and, and let me make a quick caveat here. I don't remember what happens with them down the road, so I could be missing something huge here in my assessment. So I'm, I'm sure somewhere down the line we'll get more information about these guys, I would hope. I don't think we do. Actually. We don't? Huh. I Surprise. think this is the – Lee, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think this is the one time and the only time we see the Headless Monks. Well, we'll certainly see Dorium again. True. And he's – in their possession. So I don't know. 
it'll be fun to find out. Mm. Mm. Very true. From the century, the 52nd century that they are in, they then go back to London, 1888 A.D., where we are introduced to Madame Vastra and Jenny Flint as they make their debut. So Clarence, pointing this one to you first, since you and I have had the pleasure of meeting and taking a picture with Catron Stewart, Jenny Flint, thoughts of seeing Jenny's first appearance again, and Madame Vastra for that. Any thoughts? Yeah, Jenny is one of my favorite characters in the movie, and it was just lovely to see her. She's beautiful (laughs) on screen, and uh, I thought she did you know, going back and seeing this now, uh, I just love the portrayal of that role for her. But it did make me think of when you talk about Jenny and Vastra, like uh, we see the doctor is collecting on old debts. And I'm wondering, like, how does he know them? But, you know, I'm sure that's going to be explained off somehow in the future. But, yeah, I, I was like, you know, he, he knows them somehow, but who knows? Yeah, it is intriguing to, th- to think about all these um sort of um, backstories that we don't get here. I, I don't remember if we, I, I don't think we ever uh, learned how he came to know uh, Vastra and Jenny uh, or Strax for that matter. Hmm. Uh, why Strax is repaying a debt um, or, or it, he's, he's a punishment. How did, how did that happen? But that's um, interesting. But anyway, um, uh, because um, as a Sherlockian, you know, I, I love that uh, Madame Vaster is there in uh, uh, Victorian England and that she's, um, well, a crime fighter, I guess. I mean, she's just uh, ended the Jack the Ripper murders. Of course, she ate him. But <laughs> so I guess so good, I guess. But um, also for all of us who are fans of uh, Thunderbirds, we have to we have to feel sure that that's the reason why the coachman is Parker, so she can get out of the the carriage and say, "Thank you, Parker. I won't be needing you again tonight." That's something that uh, Lady Penelope would say on Thunderbirds. Um, anyway, her driver was Parker. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it is, it, and then, and we get to see the inside of their house and everything. It's it's just fabulous, and uh, and first a reflection of the TARDIS, and then the TARDIS itself. Very nice. I got this feeling of a little bit of Sherlock Holmes and Watson with those two. I don't know why, but I just did. And maybe I'm seeing and knowing this from older, I mean, you know, further episodes where they kind of play on that a little more. Well, I I was looking back at the transcript again here. And sure enough, uh, when Jenny comes in, I mean, when Vastra comes in, Jenny says, you're back early, ma'am. Another case cracked, I presume. Oh, yes. I think what we're finding out, and this is something, you know, we know that Stephen Moffat loves Sherlock Holmes. So this is an idea that he's playing with is that the uh, the person will come to know later as Sherlock Holmes is actually a Silurian, actually a female and a Silurian. But uh, just just a really quick question. And maybe this is getting us off topic a bit, but the state of Doctor Who. And I just I just go back to thinking of Disney Plus and all these other streaming services to where they have these top tier IP that they're able to develop more and spin off and do a myriad of things with, with the, with their properties. And it just makes me think like, man, I would love to have a Vastra and Jenny spinoff, you know, it, mm-hmm. probably many other doctor who spinoffs that we could have, you know, we're long away from the heyday of Torchwood and Sarah Jane adventures. It just makes me wonder where they could go with that. Um, and I know it's different how how this show is owned and operated in the UK versus what is done over here. But it just makes me wonder. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's just sort of like to make you wonder the way Big Finish does, because they make you wonder possible. You know, That's not right. in the traditional sense as in the TV. But you remember when we saw Katrin Stewart, she was thinking that her days as being Jenny was done. And then yeah. all of a sudden, here comes Big Finish. And now they have their own Big Finish series of stories. It makes me think, though, like how, what percentage of the Doctor Who audience do you think actually consumes Big Finish? I think it's very low, but who knows? Well, you know, a good way to find out for everyone listening, if you do consume Big Finish, if you've listened to Big Finish, let us know and let us know what your favorites are. I'll be just be upfront and say I'm ashamed to say I've not listened to very many only because, number one, time wise, you know, and number two, I just haven't done it. So that's that's on me. But but I'm wondering if you're very correct in what you're saying, Clarence, that there is a large percentage of people that don't listen to the audio. Yeah, it's 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 just a very different um, realm, uh, audio adventures and and watching TV. It's just it's it's so unfamiliar to so many people, and uh, and yeah, they just may not even know that there are so 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 many Doctor yeah. Who adventures out there, uh, you know, recorded by pretty much every living Doctor and. Yeah, and, and they just keep coming, including we're talking about doing Talons of Wing Chiang sometime in the future. We meet two uh, two interesting characters in that story, uh, Jago and Lightfoot. And by the time it's over, I mean, they don't they have nothing to do with each other. Uh, but by the end of the story, they're sort of uh, uh, have this uh, <laughs> interesting kind of uh, relationship. And those actors are still around. So there's Jigo and Lightfoot adventures on big finish, which is just fantastic. And, and yeah, you you could never do that otherwise. Interesting. And the, the doctor's former can still be their doctor's selves without having to spend X number of minutes in the story explaining why they don't look like they did Mm -hmm. previously. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just found it interesting, interesting as we see what, you know, Disney Plus is doing with Star Wars and, and what CBS is doing with Star Trek. You know, I just wondered if there's room in the television sphere for these maybe even smaller one-off stories with some of these characters. I would be down for it. Yes. Hello. But I want to say real quick before we move on something that we were talking about just a few minutes ago, and is another reason why I was encouraging you guys to continue talking. I wanted to find a particular thing that Vastra said to the doctor, and this will answer our question about how the two met. There is a line of dialogue later in the episode where she says, "The that anger is always the shortest distance to a mistake. The doctor says, I'm sorry. Vastra says, the words of an old friend who once found me in the London underground attempting to avenge my sisters on perfectly innocent tunnel diggers. The doctor says, well, you were very cross at the time. And as she says, well, as you were today, old friend, point taken. That's so, right. There you That's go. Right. Yeah. Mm. So let's continue forward. We've talked about the headless monks. And then we zoom into the future to the Battle of Zarathustra, I'll call it. Yeah, Zarathustra, yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. In 4037 AD, and we see the debut for the glory of the Centauran Empire of Strax. 
So, Lee, I'll point this one to you. First appearance of Strax, Dan Starkey as Strax. Thoughts? Well, his first line is just marvelous. Did somebody call for a nurse? And, and seeing the Suntarans as we have in the past, we have to figure that means he's found somebody who's already wounded, and so he's going to finish them off, right? But he's not. He's there to actually <laughs> heal this person. Meanwhile, telling them that one day when they're healthy, he'll destroy them for the glory of the Santar Empire. <laughs> so it's just a very clever idea to to take this that these kind of one note characters and turn them into something bizarre. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll fortunately we'll get a lot of mileage out of Strax as time goes by. But here he is. So we've been talking about the three of them, and I wonder. When he wrote, he being Moffat, when he wrote this episode, did he intend to make those three a pairing? Or was that just something that happened and it was like, hmm, let's put these three together. I, I, I would I would love to know that. But what do you guys yeah. think? Yeah, I can imagine this being a response to the uh, the fan mail, if you will, about this episode. I'm saying, oh, they like them. I need to figure out how to get all three of them together. <laughs> cool. I don't know. Hey, it, it makes sense. It definitely had a chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of chemistry, the next thing that we see, River Song back in her cell, Rory has come to visit, and she talks about the doctor taking her ice skating. So, Clarence, I'm going to point this to you first. Any thoughts about the conversations that go on right here between River and Rory? So did they basically kidnap Stevie Wonder? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> did not, yeah. Did he not know he was taken back in time? But you must never tell him. <laughs> oh, man, that was so great. Um, but as far as the, the conversation, I did find it a bit striking of, of how River, of course, we know why, but why River would not uh, go back to help the doctor the one time the doctor actually calls her you know, to help with the situation. She's on the, She can't do it. And of course, the doctor holds it to that a little bit later. Uh, but but yeah, I did find that funny uh, at the time. Like, why? Why is she not really? That's her man. <laughs> but yeah, a uh, good scene between those two. Well, I was uh, intrigued by the fact that uh, where she's been ice skating was in the 1814 Frost Fair, which is, you know, when the Thames actually froze over. And that's one of those things where you think, wow, that's weird. But it's true. And it's a little surprising that the doctor didn't run into himself. Yeah, he and Bill, right? Uh huh. Then I, episode it, yep, three. It's the 1814 uh, Frost Fair. Yeah, so you got to be careful <laughs> crossing the streams. But, uh, but yeah, so I love that, that detail that that's where they've been with Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yeah, Bill, Bill would have noticed Stevie Wonder singing. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, maybe we need to rewatch that episode. Maybe he's lurking in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimate Easter egg. Oh, speaking of, you made me remember something. Remember in a previous episode, I was mentioning that I had watched the animated version of The Faceless Ones. Mm -hmm. And I had meant to bring that up. And you made a perfect statement to remind me of something. So if anybody has not seen it, I'm not doing another spoiler warning. But there is something that I'm about to say that was in the Faceless Ones. This is a restored cartoon version or animated version of the story. So you may want to fast forward for about two minutes. But in that episode, 
there is a scene where they're coming out, I believe, of a police station or something where they're there's like this bulletin board that they're showing and it's two wanted posters and the top wanted poster is a picture of the Roger Delgado version of the master and the one below that is the picture of the Sasha Dewan version of the master. <laughs> they pulled a George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. But it was so cool seeing it because if you, if, if you look you know, way too quick, you'll miss it. And I just happened, I was like, that's Rogers Delgado. And I went back and looked at it and I paused it. And I was like, oh, wow. Even under that, they've got current master on there. That's cool. <laughs> so, so cool. My favorite part of that is when River actually says, you know, this is it. This is the day when he finds out who I am. And that just like to me, made my brain go like, oh, 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 I can't wait to, you know, continue watching. Moving forward, the next thing we see is Madame Kavarian and Dorian. So this is our first true exposure to Madame Kavarian. Lee Shackelford, what did you think of her? Um, I, I didn't, uh, it's never been a character that interested me that much. There's, there's not a lot that we ever really know about her and a lot of people have discussed since this episode first aired. Once we finally get a picture of what her whole plan is, why? Why is she doing what she's doing? It's it's. Uh, a lot of us feel that it's never satisfactorily explained. But in any case, what's interesting about her right now is what she's doing. What is she up to? Uh, and how and how does Amy and uh, Amy's baby figure into all of this? So she's just she's just a mystery, and that's interesting. She's another puzzle. Yeah, I think she's pretty much forgettable to me. The name reminds me a lot of Dr. Kevorkian for some Thank reason. You. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and it's it's enough that I wonder if it's if that's deliberate. But anyway, yeah, yeah but mostly mostly forgettable. Um, other than seeing the impact that she's had through the, the times that she's popped up in, into the season. Um, I really have no opinion one way or the other about it. Yeah. You know, I'm the same way. I, I don't like her as a character and this is at no fault of the actor. I think the actor portrays the character brilliantly, but I'm curious to know, and I would love to know this, but I would be curious to know if she was written as a one dimensional character because she served one purpose to move this story along. And that's all she ever really would be. I'll buy that. Yeah. Because really and truly she's like a wicked stepmother kind of character. But other than that, there's nothing that you want other than to see her downfall. At least I'm speaking for me. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Is she a bad character though? If their position is that the doctor is now dark, he has gone too far. Is she doing a good thing by trying Ooh. to get rid of the doctor? Mm. I, I have an opinion, but Lee, I want to. I'm curious to what you think first. No, I, I think you put your finger on it that she she really is there just to serve purposes of the story, and, and to make her too complex would would be would actually be distracting. Yeah, but I do think it is a valid and very interesting question because it's making me think of her in a way that I've never thought of her that said if I were to try to give her some complexity I couldn't do that because 
she has a conversation with the doctor later in this episode, and I get the feeling that she's having just a little bit too much revelry and enjoyment and satisfaction of seeing herself get one up on him, that if this is supposed to be a religious type order and she's supposed to be a head of this order, at least of this faction, so to speak, she's having too much damn fun getting one up on the doctor. You got to pat yourself on the back if you can outsmart the doctor, right? (laughs) True. Fool me once. Twice. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Good point. Very good point. She's, yeah. It's it's a big win. It's a big win. (laughs) Mm. But very good question because you're making me think of her in ways that I never have. Mm. And I'm just, I can't help it, but I, I keep visualizing a future review. And a good man goes, I mean, in the wedding of One River Song, where something happens. And that's all I'll say for this one, because we're not reviewing that. Amy, help me. You took my baby from me and hurt her. And now she's all grown up and she's fine. I'll never see my baby again. But you'll still save me, though. Because he was. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention that uh, Dorian said here, he says, if that if that man is collecting on his debts, God help you. I just thought that was cool. Yeah. So next we go on up to the colonel and he's talking to the troops and Lorna visits Amy and gives her this item that we had previously seen her sewing at the beginning of the episode. She says, this is your child's name in the language of my people. Amy then replies, can I borrow your gun? Yeah. Clarence, thoughts? Uh, She's basically just mad. (laughs) Which I can't blame her one bit. I mean, you look at what she's been through and that's people don't play about their children, right? So she has enough cause to be furious about what's going on. But you do see that it's kind of out of her character because she's willing to change her opinion by the end of the conversation. And in my note here, I have that uh, Karen Gillan is just beautiful in this scene. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the new mother glow. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> How an actor can turn that on. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be clear, she wants that gun and she's, she's, she's telling a bucket. She's, she's saying, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, hmm. yeah, but it's true. Amy is having the worst day of all, of all bad days. But she does uh, soften a bit toward her as the conversation goes on. Mm. You know, usually when you see a room like this or or somewhere that someone is being held captive, I'm picturing dark, drab, (laughs) gray tones and metallic and whatever. But I think that this was maybe purposely done to create that image of Amy that you just described because you've got this white pristine, heavenly almost looking room with these bright glowing lights. And I think that just accentuates the, you know, her fair complexion and the, Mm. you know, the red hair that she has. I think that was just made to create that vision that you are referencing. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So let's go down to, where the doctor 
is revealed and you hear this colonel and he is talking about on this day, in this place, the doctor will fall. And I just noticed that this was a concept that Moffat seems to be repeating often. You know, we've heard silence will fall. And then we will hear about the fall of the 11th. And then there's an episode in season 10 that we just referred to. Not necessarily that episode, but season 10, where the title is The Doctor Falls. I just thought that that was interesting that Moffat keeps bringing up falls. (laughs) Yeah, you have that and the the phrase, the doctor's darkest hour is thrown out too. I just feel like somehow Doctor Who has a way of generating these epic statements and i guess we owe the writers and showrunners for that but it's always something epic you know i know a few shows that can pull off the i don't know what's the word i'm looking for the epic scale of some of these scenes uh, especially you know if we go back to the intro and we see rory how epic that feels it feels huge and grand and somehow doctor who can repeatedly do that and you don't see a lot of shows and actually pull that off so i don't know mm, very good point Lee, tell me what you thought about this standoff that the Doctor creates between the military and the headless monk. What did you think of that? We've got to be wondering as audience how he's going to get into this situation and then how he's going to get out of this situation. And so it's logical. You know, get get the people, you know, who are creating the problem and turn them against each other. And uh, it's it's brilliant. And it's the way the whole thing is staged and on the to kind of the scale, uh, as Clarence was saying, um, it's it's just a really uh, exciting fight and re- remarkable for a TV show. It's just this is like a feature film moment, and uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And as Clarence just said, you know, pulling off these grandiose moments, and we see the cavalry arrive. What did you guys think of this moment specifically? Do you, you remember watching it the first time. Did you think at any point in that first watch through that things were just going too easy? No, no, it's not easy, <laughs> but, uh, but it is fun to see that, uh, uh, some of this is, has been prearranged and that Madame Vastra is still, still chuckling about this because everything's pretty much going the way she expected it to. Yes. So, Clarence, I want to ask you about... Did I say Vastra? I mean, uh, Kaverian. Oh, Kaverian, yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. And I did think, I remember thinking something, and I hadn't gotten it yet, but I did think something when she said, the doctor must think he's winning until the trap closes. I just thought, okay, well, she's just being snooty or something. Yeah. So, Clarence, I want to ask you about Colonel Manton or as he is better known, Colonel Runaway. So what did you think of basically what the doctor tells him? Who was Colonel Manton? (laughs) Colonel Runaway. I don't even remember who that is. You're going to tell me. (laughs) That must tell you what I think about him. He's the military boss, but yeah, continue to forget him. I mean, he had a, you know, a stirring speech there. uh, I think at the very beginning, other than that, I really didn't even notice him anymore in the episode, to be honest. Yeah, same, I guess, that I just, he, he like uh, Covarian, is sort of there to, to be a one-note character uh, because they serve a particular purpose. But See, what's weird is I, I remember him so vividly, but not because of what he does, but what is done 
to him. And I, yeah. for, for some reason, that just stands out in my mind, screams in my mind, where the doctor basically t- tells him, I want you to tell your men to run away. I want people to call you Colonel Runaway. I mean, you basically humiliate this man. Yeah, it's one of the things that struck me about this episode, as a matter of fact, because um, I've been reading and thinking and talking a lot about about shame. It's a big topic, really. Generally understood to be a bad thing. And I understand that the doctor uh, doesn't want to you know, shoot people in the head, so he needs to do something else if he's going to get bend uh, you know, the bad guys to his will. In this story, he, he uses shame, and that's, that's a bit of a surprise. He wants to make sure that he's shamed. Uh, the colonel, and uh, he has shamed Strax as well. Strax says that uh, what's been wished on him is the lowest fate that's possible for a Santaran to endure. I don't know. Just It, it struck me as interesting that the, the doctor uh, uh, won't hurt somebody physically, but he will grind them into the dust. Very interesting. All right. So I want to pose a question to you guys. And this is something that I referred to earlier in this episode that I said that we would come back to. And that is, this title for the episode is, A Good Man Goes to War. My question is, name the, or my request is, name the good man. Who is the good man? Mm, interesting. Any thoughts either? Yeah, I guess you have to assume that it's the doctor. Um, hmm. That's what I'm assuming as well. Yeah. That's what I've always assumed. Demons run when a good man goes to war. But watching it in review mode last night this like light bulb came on in my head after the doctor said what i'm about to quote good men don't need rules today is not the day to find out why i have so many mm. that made me write down you know who is a good man and i think i know who the good man is rory is the good man mm. interesting yep. <laughs> maybe i think you can make a good case there I don't, I don't know. It just it, it just popped into my head, you know, that, that this is a story because it is Rory that goes to get River. It is Rory that goes to the, not the Centurions, it, it, as a Centurion, to the Cybermen to find out where is my wife. It is Rory in a later point in this episode. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But I, 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 I'm going to make the case, even though for 11 almost 10 years or however long it's been, I have always seen it as the doctor. Watching it last night made me wonder, is the good man in this episode Rory? So. Even the ridiculousness of him having to wear the Centurion uniform, I found, I found that very weird. That's the first note I actually wrote down. Like, why is he wearing that thing? <laughs> Which they kind of explain it uh, in the episode, but maybe that plays into your idea of who the the good man is, you know, the doctor has suited him up to be that. I don't know. Maybe so. Just, just, just feels weird that he is donning that costume. And it's not his wedding night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it was a, a bookend to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. All right. But speaking of bookends to the wedding night, a perfect way to put it, we see Amy and Rory reunite or Rory reunites. And again, another reason to say who the good man is, who brings the baby melody back to Amy? It is Rory. So Lee, what did you think of this scene between Amy, Rory and their daughter? 
Uh, it's it's just wonderful, and and once again, we just it almost makes me check out of the scene to just be thinking about the actors, to be thinking about Arthur Darville and the way he handles this scene, and 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 Karen Gillan. Uh, but mostly, it's Arthur Darville's scene, and he's just it's masterful. He 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 draws us so deeply into what Rory is is thinking and feeling, and uh, I it it be, became watching it this time it became one of my favorite things in the episode. Uh, my favorite thing about that scene is actually when the doctor comes in and he, he what did he say crying crying and hugging I'm leaving <laughs> like turns yeah. around <laughs> I'm like yeah I think I would have did the same thing but you know I uh, agree with everything Lee said um, Arthur Darvel's fantastic in the scene as always and you know just always cool or good when you see those those two together in a very very touching moment you know, seeing his, his kid for the first time. Yep. You know, I will take it one beat further in that particular scene where they're all three standing there talking. And I think again, and I know I've brought this up before, but this is a testament of the chemistry the three of them together as actors had amongst themselves because it just seemed so natural the whole play between the three of them. I, I just love the way they're able to play off of each other. Yeah. And just the enormity of them gallivanting for the past, however, and him not knowing that Amy is actually even pregnant um, and getting to this point where all of a sudden he has a kid. Yeah. <laughs> that has to be a lot for anybody. So speaking of kids, we get to a celebration and, you know, Kids need feeding. And one of my favorite lines out of this is where Strax proclaims, I can produce the finest quantities of lactate fluid. Oh, boy. Yeah, pass. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the kind of what they said. That won't be necessary. So, Lee, I have a question for you. In this celebration, Vastras says, my friend, you have never risen higher. Did alarms go off in your head when you first watched this? When she said uh, that, yes and no. I mean, it's it's really on the nose. We've already been told flat out that the doctor will. Uh, this is the day when he will uh, rise higher than ever, and then 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 the fall. So uh, when it's the kind of thing where I think it would have been fine for us to just remember that and think about it. But we have a character who actually says it out loud. It's uh, it's 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 a tiny bit too much, if you ask me. But but we get it. We get it. This next thing I want to bring up is potentially a spoiler for series 12. I'm not sure. I, yeah, you know, I guess we could go ahead and talk about this because I'm curious. The, the, you know, the they mention the doctor brings out a cot and the, he makes reference to that being his cot. Well, without revealing things that have gone on in later series does a later series revelation invalidate the fact that that's his cot or could it still be his cot or was that a lie or maybe he thought it was or i have no idea what you're talking about so i'm a little <laughs> oh no i yeah i'm not sure either so i'm just yeah i'd leave it alone <laughs> okay all right so we'll leave that one alone but we do go into the conception and the human and time lord dna and there's this awkward moment where the doctor has to talk about things that happened 
with couples and how conception happens and this realization of when baby Melody was conceived and this blending of human and Time Lord DNA. And the only thing I'll say about this in regards to later revelations, I'm wondering if this is where Chibnall maybe got the idea of, oh, maybe something, something, something possible. And let me see how I can expound on that. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, when, when Vaster said that uh, Time Lords became what they did through prolonged exposure to the time vortex. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, okay, now that's going to confuse me because yeah. doesn't the recent season kind of invalidate, invalidate that mm-hmm. in a way? Well, it, it, without spoiling too much for the future stories, the the doctor, the 13th doctor, is told at that time, what you've heard in the past is a lie, and I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> so, Yeah, true. So, interesting nonetheless. Yeah, and help me out here, guys. And knowing, well, I'll, I'll let you finish finish the episode before I bring this up, because I think I'm probably going to spoil what you're fixing to talk about in the next few minutes here. <laughs> okay, all right. At this point, we get what I call the wakey, wakey moment. And the doctor has been fooled twice that Melody is really a flesh creation. Were you guys expecting this? And what did you think when it happened? No, I thought we were through with that. And then and then it happens again to the baby. Oh, my God. Heartstrings, man. Why? Yeah. Yeah, that was rough. (laughs) <laughs> and it it made me wonder like is this the doctor's darkest hour because he got tricked again i'm trying to figure out what his darkest hour in this episode is basically i'm not quite sure i can put my finger on it but yeah that definitely was heartbreaking to see that happen all right so lee do you think that was the doctor's darkest hour oh no no it's it's gonna get worse from here mm, yeah I'm I'm torn. I'm I'm torn if this is his darkest hour or if there is this moment a little bit later, just a few minutes chronologically in the episode later, that might be. So I'm fifty fifty torn. So Lorna's death. What Lee, what did you think about Lorna's death? Oh, that that really hurt. I, I liked her so much. There is sort of a full circle. She she tells us that meeting the doctor when she was so young is the the most interesting thing that's ever happened to her. And she always kind of hoped that she'd see him again, which you know has to make us think of uh, young Amelia, who, who waited yeah. for him. So uh, here we are. It, it's 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 another heartbreaking passing, just when everything is going wrong for him. And um, yeah, but uh, but he he. He helps her as much as he can, and I think that's lovely. I want to get right after we see Lorna's death, and you know he has the whole thing about only thing you know that she remembers about him was that they ran, and then he then she dies, and then we have the moment, and I will call it "How Goes the Day." Before I even ask you about how goes the day. Can I go ahead and give what my favorite scene and my favorite quote was? <laughs> go for Absolutely, it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And I'm doing this, Lee, because I know you may have to step out early. Just, just are you guys prepared? Just asking. Go for it. All right. You know, Vastra says, 
you know, you're just giving up. You never do that. And then the doctor says, well, some, but don't you wish I did? And then you hear this buzz in the back and you hear this voice go, well, then soldiers, how goes the day? The doctor says, where the hell have you been? Every time you have asked, I have been there. Where the hell were you today? I couldn't have prevented this. You could have tried. And so my love, could you? I know you're not all right, but hold tight, Amy, because you're going to be. You think I wanted this? I didn't do this. This this wasn't me. This was exactly you. All of this. All of it. You make them so afraid. When you think you began all those years ago, sailing off to see the universe, did you ever think you would become this? The man who could turn an army around at the mention of his name. Doctor. The word for healer and wise man throughout the universe. We get that word from you, you know. But if you keep carrying on the way you are, what might that word come to mean? To the people of the Gamma Forest, the word doctor means mighty warrior. How far you've come. And now they've taken a child, a child of your best friends, and they're going to turn her into a weapon just to bring you down. And all this, my love, in fear of you. Who are you? Oh, look, you're caught. I haven't seen that in a very long while. No, tell me who you are. Blah, blah, blah. And I could keep going, but I won't. So <laughs> what did you think that of that? That was from memory. That was from memory. Yes, absolutely. Oh, God. <laughs> that, was, that was me doing that with my eyes shut. Oh, boy. <laughs> I told you. And then the role of River Song is Cal Joe. <laughs> so what did you guys think of that scene? Well, it's, it's mind-blowingly fabulous. And, and, it, and I was saying before that Madame Kavarian's uh, uh, motivation for doing all the things she does in the long run doesn't make a lot of sense. But, but what River says does make a lot of sense, that something had to be done to stop him from from other people's point of view because uh, because he's a terror he's a menace and and the only the only hope they thought of of how to stop him would be to get somebody like him and make sure that they're gonna be the ones to destroy him that one that works for but but you know i think the key is the it's almost like the people of the gamma forest their words are reversed you know, they are totally like, for instance, the doctor, the word for healer and wise man. But to them, doctor means warrior. Mm-hmm. And to but me, that, that's what they've experienced. Yes. Right. So after. OK, so Clarence, what was what was your thought about this scene? Uh, I just remember saying to myself, damn, she's being hard on him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like She is lighting off into him, man. And it was uh, like you guys said, it was a great scene. It was a moment for her to give him absolute candor, the truth, and for him to self-reflect on what, what he's actually doing. But that moment where Matt Smith, when he goes and walks up to her and says, who are you? That look, those eyes look like they were burning through her, completely through her. You know, it's, it's like this this smoldering rage that he has as he's saying, who are you? And then she playfully, you know, says what she says. And then he was like, no, who, tell me who you are. Like, I'm not playing. Tell me right. who she you says, are. I am telling you. Yeah. Can't you read? <laughs> and this is interesting to me watching this again. Um, I just watched the beginning of it again, uh, just before we got on, uh, onto the call here. And the, the way um, Alex Kingston plays this scene um, where River and Rory meet at the prison um, 
looking back on it, we can tell where she is in the timeline. She knows who Rory is to her. And when he steps out of the shadows and she sees who it is and he, he says, I'm Rory. <laughs> just, just watch her the way she says, hello, Rory. Yeah. Because the subtext is, yeah, I know who you are. You're my, you're my father, but you don't know that yet. And see, mm. something else that I think that I really love that's interesting about this, there were two versions of the script that went out, the mm. one for Alex Kingston and the one for everybody else. Interesting, yeah. And Alex Kingston has known who she was since 2008. Mm. Nobody else until she says, if I'm correct in everything I've read, and obviously I know a little bit about this episode, um, is she was the only one until she said who she was. I think her and Moffat were the only two people that knew who she was. Wow. So, so I assume they filmed this last for this episode. Yeah, this scene I think so. It's the last words of the episode. Yes. Hmm. So what did you guys think of after the doctors happily announcing, you know, that, um, you know, I, uh, I will find your daughter and on my life, she will be safe. River, get them all home after he, get, you know, disappears. What did you think about Amy picking up the gun and is holding it and pointing it at River? Uh, she was semi-justified in her actions, especially, you know, when you see what just happened, they, they whispered the revelation or they had the revelation among the doctor and river directly. And we didn't, and they weren't privy to that information. So of course she's seen the doctor run off. Her baby is gone. He's telling the river to take care of them. And she's going to be a little, you know, miffed about the whole situation. Although she should know that she can trust river at this point, I feel, um, but but yeah, I can I can see again, you know, a child is involved. So she's 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 gonna go to the extreme with this, and I don't blame her one bit. Because you know what I loved about this was you know she's she's standing there, she's mad, and she was like, River says, you know, let's see, River says it's it's your daughter's name in the language of the forest. I know my daughter's name, but they don't have the word for pond because the only water in the forest is the river. The doctor will find your daughter, and he will care for her, whatever it takes. I know that because it's me. I'm Melody. I'm your daughter. And then we hear that. Melody Williams? <laughs> there you go. Marilyn E. And see, that's another cool thing. If you go back and uh, the name is in reverse, River Song, Melody Pond, you just reverse them and change Melody to Song and I mean, yeah, melody to song and river and pond, and it's just backwards, kind of, and bigger and different. But who? Uh-huh. And we had that that moment uh, a while back where um, the the doctor calls uh, Rory Rory Pond. Yes. And uh, Rory says that's not how it works, and he says, "No, you're Rory Pond." And Rory says, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> <laughs> I want to know really quickly because I have indulged myself, but again, I know Lee. Uh, you need to go soon. So do it, either of you have any other points that we've not brought up in this episode? All right. So Lee Shackelford, favorite scene. What say you? I just love Vastra trying to wrestle the information out of the doctor about how um, <laughs> Rory and Amy's baby was conceived, when, where, and how. And the doctor either doesn't know or can't talk about it, but it's just watching him sort of uh, squirm is to me just hilarious. 
Uh, so I, I love that scene. Uh, mine has to be the where is my wife scene with Rory up top. I just mm-hmm. thought those were fantastic. And, you know, again, turning his back to the explosion. Uh, <laughs> that's wonderful. All right. Awesome. Well, everybody knows, obviously, my favorite scene. So, Clarence Brown, favorite quote? Uh, there's a moment at the cot where, again, they play on this joke on who's the father type of thing. And the doctor uh, turns around and says, it's mine. And Roy says, what is? And then he says, the cot. It's my cot. I slept in there. So I thought that was pretty funny that they keep going back to that joke and <laughs> and, and plan it for all it's worth. All right. <laughs> so we know my favorite quote. So, Lee, favorite quote. Oh, your favorite quote is is that whole passage. Oh, yeah. The, the, the last five minutes that I can quote out in my head without even watching it. Yeah. So uh, what's yours? This is one of my favorite things in all of this season. I just love this, the cool triumph of this. When the doctor shows up to rescue Amy, he calls out to her, Amelia Pond, get your coat. <laughs> oh, man. Excellent. Time to go. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah all right final rating oh uh, who uh, who's giving it uh lee <laughs> <laughs> i give it five lactating suntarans out of five. Oh, okay um clarence yeah. brown i'll give it five um what do they call the the the, the fake human babies out of five. Oh, oh, I keep forgetting what it's the called. Flesh. The, the flesh. The flesh babies. Yeah. Okay. Five flesh babies. <laughs> five flesh babies out of five. All right. Exactly. Even though I've already, I'm going to write this review and I'm going to give it five <laughs> Lee and Clarence survived out of five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was so much fun. This was freaking awesome. I had so much fun. What, a, it, what an amazing episode. What yes. A, Yes, and and you're probably going to get off of this thinking, oh, my God, he's a freak. But <laughs> So, uh, having said that. Talk about pot, the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, just having so much fun. You just, this is Christmas come early for me, really. That's great, yeah. And not that much early, but yeah. Not that much early, so. <laughs> but uh, this one ends, uh, in my version at least, with the big uh uh, type on the screen inside the vortex that says, Doctor Who will be back in Let's Kill Hitler. Yes. And uh, I'm looking forward to our talking about that one um, because we're talking about things that are like almost like Easter eggs, the kind of blink and you'll miss it things. And uh, this one, uh, uh, Let's Kill Hitler, has kind of a big one. Hmm. So, um, seriously? Okay, you've had all summer. Have you found her? Have you found Melody? Berlin on the eve of war. The whole world about to tear itself apart. This isn't the river song we know yet. This is her right at the start. Down to business. I was trained and conditioned for one purpose. I was born to kill the Doctor. Demon's run. It was never going to be a gun for you, Doctor. The man of peace. Hello, boy. Who understands every kind of warfare except perhaps the cruelest. You will be dead in 32 minutes. You are unauthorized. Your death will now be implemented. Ah! How do we figure that one out? Yeah, can't wait to talk about that. Oh, cool. I can't wait either because 
I love that episode too. Not as much as I'm, and I can't quote that one as much as this one, but um, one final question for you guys, Clarence Brown, I'll go first. Where else might you be found on the internet? Um, Yeah, you can find uh, my Star Trek talks by going to discussingtrek.com where, you know, talk about Star Trek stuff. All right. Lee Shackelford, what about you? I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say anymore. Um, yeah, I'm really stuck now. I have one I, for you. Okay. If you would like to hear an absolutely fantastic series in its entirety from episode number one to episode number 60 that will take you on the complete journey, then I very much encourage you to check out the relativitypodcast.com. How about that? That's pretty good. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll take that. Yeah. So for everyone listening, thank you for indulging me. Thank you so much for listening. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you spent some time with us. And if you are listening to us right around the holidays or right there after the holidays, depending on when this goes out, I hope you and your family and friends have a good holiday season, however you may celebrate it. And with that, I will say for the last time this season, how goes the day? And we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Network.